morning, and welcome to the 430th episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my friend and co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and this is the 10th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And our honored guest tonight is Rachel Welsh of Durango, Colorado. Welcome, Rachel, to Travel Itch Radio. Hi. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Okay. Tell our listeners what your official title is. I'm the PR and communications manager for Visit Durango. Okay. Regular listeners to this show know that I love trains, trolleys, streetcars, cogwheels, anything that runs on tracks. And one of the best I've ever experienced is the Durango Silverton train in the San Juan Mountains of La Plata County, Colorado. Rachel, is fall foliage season already here for the train? And how does that impact tourism in Durango? Well, there's definitely some uh, color popping out, but it's not uh, peak season just yet. Uh, the train actually has a uh, fall photographer special where if you're a photographer, you can come out and take the train on the 1st or 2nd of October and see all the beautiful colors during their peak. But, um, yeah, Durango definitely gets a little bit quieter during the fall, which makes it really nice compared to the busyness of the summer. Does the train run all year? Um, no, it it does and it doesn't. There's the Cascade Canyon and the Silverton uh, train both start in May, and they run to about November 7th or um, late October. But then we also have the um, the winter trains. We have the Polar Express, which is great during the holidays, and that runs from November 19th through January 1st. But then the train takes a break during the springtime and then starts up again in the summer. Rachel, how hard is it to get parts for ancient steam locomotives running in high altitudes? Well, I'd say they're kind of, um, they're mostly the original trains that were used back in the 1800s and just have been restored by some very talented people. So, um, and if they need a new part, it's custom made and yeah, they just get it up here. Keep it going. Is it true some of your engines are a century old? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Wild West up here. It's the same trains that took uh, silver and ore uh, between Durango and Silverton, but now they take uh, wonderful visitors. <laughs> We're talking with Rachel Welsh about Durango, Colorado. The Durango-Silverton train has been a movie star many times over. I remember it in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Around the World mm-hmm. in 80 Days. And haven't been there a whole bunch of others, too? Yeah, so the train is definitely an iconic, you know, Western movie symbol. So um, it was in The Lone Ranger, True Grit, um, but also was recently in The Prestige, which was uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, still being featured in movies today. We're talking about a narrow-gauge railroad. Would you explain to our listeners what that is and why it's important for this particular route? 
Yes, so this route is really unique in that it, you know, it carves along the San Juan Mountains and even tunnels through them and goes along the Animus River. So there's a lot of, you know, jagged drop-offs, so it kind of has to stay on a narrow um, track, which just keeps the train, you know, close to those beautiful mountains and gives us those views that you can only access via train. So just kind of, you know, can't take up too much space so that you can really experience all the beauty. Now, how often does the train run, and how many passengers does it hold, and how long a ride is it? And are reservations recommended? I definitely recommend reservations, just especially during those busy summer seasons. Um, and it, you have the option to take, you know, if you want first class or, you know, the open air. Personally, I prefer the open air because it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit more adventurous, I think. Um, it runs, the train runs approximately three times a day, uh, four during the um, super busy weekends. Um, there's the Cascade Canyon route, which is just, um, it's midway between Durango and Silverton, and that's about five hours round trip. Or if you want to commit to a full day of train adventure, you can do Silverton, and it takes about five hours to get to Silverton. Then you'll have two hours to kind of um, adventure around the town, and it's an old mining town, so it's you know, very beautiful, and then you can either take the train back or you can take a bus back. And they kind of vary on how many cars um, each route holds, so they kind of cater it to how many guests they expect. Oh, wow. Now, did the train actually carry precious metals worth millions of dollars over the years? Yes, that was a big part of the Durango and Silverton economy back in the early 1800s. Um, they were both mining towns and um, that's how kind of Silverton got its namesake, was transporting uh, ore and silver in Silverton down to um, Durango, where it would be, you know, sold and welded and all that stuff, because Durango is, more of a, is a bigger town than Silverton. Hmm. We're talking with Rachel Welsh about Durango, Colorado. Rachel, what's the deal with the Iron Horse Bike Classic? Isn't it the largest continuously run cycling event in the country? Uh, yeah, so it it's, um, roughly gets about 3,800 uh, riders a year, um, but it began in 1972. So it's one of the earlier um, or like the most longest continuous uh, bike race in the country. And essentially they uh, the bike riders are racing the train. So a lot of people train all year around. It's a very difficult um, race, but it goes up uh, US 50 along the train. You kind of race the train to Silverton, and then there's a big, you know, event in Silverton at the end. And um, there's also cool events in town where um, there's like little mountain bike races going on, and there's even Steamworks Brewery, which is um, a local favorite, has bike riders racing through the brewery, so people could be sitting at their tables and see um, Bike riders race by, so it's a really fun event. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> when is the next one? Um, I, I think it's a Memorial Day weekend every year. So next year Memorial Day is what I'm thinking. So if I started training now, I could be ready in time. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I could make sure you get some altitude training out there, though. It's pretty high up. Yeah, but I, I would just be training to sit on the train, not ride the bicycle. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, let's talk Sorry. about the town a little bit, the town of Durango. How big is it, and what's the population? Um, so that's a population of about um, 18,900 right now. So it's a pretty small town. Um, it's located in uh, southwest Colorado. Um, it's just kind of your quintessential mountain town. It has a river that literally runs right through it, the Animus River. It has a historic uh, main avenue with beautiful, you know, old buildings. And um, it's just kind of an outdoor enthusiast haven and also just a wonderful place to, you know, shop and eat good food. And it kind of has, like, activities for everyone. Sounds really charming. We know you're near Mesa Verde National Park, the Durango Mountain Resort, and something called the San Juan Skyway. Would you tell our listeners what all those things are? Yeah, so the Mesa Verde National Park is a UNESCO heritage site. Um, it's the only mm-hmm. one in Colorado, and there's only a handful in the United States. Um, it is uh, home to ancient Pueblo ruins that date back to about uh, – 1600 BC and it's just I mean it's absolutely stunning it's a magical um, experience you can see petroglyphs and um, you can also camp inside the park and it's uh, right outside Cortez it was about like a 40 minute drive from downtown Durango and it's very it's a unique in terms of a national park where you can actually take tours with rangers and explore the cliff dwellings and uh, um, it's yeah, it's a very magical place. And then we also have uh, the Purgatory Mountain Resort, which is our ski resort, which is about 20 minutes outside of downtown. And it has, you know, right now we have the Inferno Coaster, which is this cool little roller coaster that um, travels through Aspen Grove that's open during the summer and fall. And then, of course, you know, the Alpine Slide. And then they also have a mountain bike park that kind of takes advantage of those slopes during the non-snowing snowy months and then it's you know hopefully we'll get a good snow season this year and there's a lot of skiing and snowboarding and you can even go snowmobiling or sleigh rides dog sledding if that's your thing and then Mm. purgatory resort is actually on the san juan skyway and durango is blessed in being that it's um located on the portion portion of the scan the san juan skyway that's called the million dollar highway which is known as one of the most beautiful drives in America. And so you're mm. just traveling along these breathtaking, you know, um, the San Juan Mountains, the forests. You'll have waterfalls gushing out of the side of the road. It's, you know, just absolutely stunning drive. And it goes from Durango to uh, Silverton to Uray and then Telluride, and then you can loop it back down to Durango. Fantastic. Now, you you were you did touch on uh, Native Americans. Is it accurate to say the mysterious Anasazi were the original inhabitants, but now La Plata County is home to the Ute Nation? And are Native American crafts for sale in and around Durango? Yes. Yeah, so I can't speak too much to the Anasazis, um, but there we definitely there's. Um, deep-rooted Southern Ute tribe influences here in Durango. Um, We are located adjacent to the reservation, so we have a lot of very talented artists, um, sell their goods in town. You have beautiful turquoise pieces, Mm -hmm. traditional jewelry and art. And um, The Ute tribe is actually known for its beadwork, so there's some beautiful beaded pieces and 
Um, you know, so I think that's what's really great about just to go walking down Main Avenue. You can explore a number of galleries that kind of highlight, you know, the wonderful art and culture and influences of the Southern Ute tribe. We're talking with Rachel Welsh about Durango, Colorado. And Rachel, for people who count on coming home with spectacular Rocky Mountain pictures, tell us how much sunshine Durango gets per year and what are your peak and bargain seasons? Well, they say that, you know, the the thing people from Colorado like to say is that we get 300 days of sunshine a year and that only snows at night. So I don't know if that's <laughs> completely true, but I'd like definitely agree with the sunshine part. Um, it is a very sunny state. So coming from San Diego, I'd say Colorado, Durango is more sunny than San Diego is. Um, and I'd say that I'd recommend the times to visit would be our shoulder seasons, which is right now in the fall and then um, in the winter and spring, kind of when downtown's a little bit quieter, but you still have those beautiful, the fall foliage, well, all the fall colors, the, um, you know, you still have all that outdoor adventure and it's a little bit cooler and brisk without all the, you know, crowds and busyness that summer can sometimes uh, cause. Okay, let's talk about the Strader Hotel. I hear it opened way back in 1887. Yeah, see, that's kind of Durango's Eiffel Tower. It's an iconic building located right on Main Avenue. Um, it used to be a pharmacy um, owned by two brothers, and there was a dispute, and, you know, um, then one of the brothers sold it and got uh, reimagined into a the hotel that it is today. It actually has um, – it's refurbished. It definitely feels like an Old West um, hotel inside. If you've ever seen National Lampoon's vacation there's a few scenes that were shot inside the hotel it's kind of fun mm-hmm. and then it also has the um, large collection of American Victorian walnut furniture which I mean it's just stunning you just walk in there and you're completely transported and you know even the attire of the staff is very you know wild west which is a lot of fun and what's the story with the bullet hole and the drawer behind the bar at the Diamond Bell Saloon, which opened in 1957. Yeah, the Diamond Bell Saloon is a really fun place. They're always playing ragtime music, and the women wear, you know, the be- like beautiful saloon girl outfits, and um, the men wear the skinny little bow ties. And um, I, there's a bullet hole from when um, rumor has it that uh, is a Colt 44 revolver, and a uh, guest was trying to get the attention of uh, the bartender, and he couldn't, so then he shot his gun. <laughs> and his <gasps> bullet hole is still there today. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> A very okay. <laughs> okay, listeners, you're listening to Travel Itch Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. We're on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, and Facebook. Check out the archive show at your convenience. And we're talking with Rachel Welsh about Durango, Colorado. Rachel, we have to talk about the local water. We hear Durango Hot Springs has a dozen different minerals in the water. Can visitors derive benefits by bathing in it? Of course. I think so. Um, The Durango Hot Springs Resort is newly renovated. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, 
I think it's the perfect thing to do during any time of the year, especially after an adventure or if you go biking or for a hike and you just can come and soak. They have 27 um, hot spring pools and they're mm-hmm. tucked away in like these beautiful ponderosa pines that overlook the Animus uh, Valley. So it's absolutely beautiful. And then there is also um, a 25 meter saltwater lap pool, which is a nice addition if you're not, you know, want to kind of cool off on the summer days. And then, um, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. And if the waters aren't doing the trick, they also serve beer and canned wine. <laughs> and what about the Animas River? Isn't there a portion of that called gold metal water with exceptional quality of fishing for large trout? Yeah, so it, um, it is, the Animas River is recognized as a gold medal um, water, so it's kind of, it's known as being one of the best places to go uh, fishing for trout. And why is the Animas known as the River of Lost Souls? Is it good for whitewater rafting? Yeah, so um, don't let that, uh, the River of Lost Souls scare you. The Animus River is for whitewater rafting, and there's a variety. You can, you know, if you want to do Class Fives, you can do that, or if you want to do a lazy river and get a tube and ride down the river, you can do that as well. Um, so it's, you know, some amazing conditions. And every um, early May, they have this thing called Animus River Days, which is a really fun event, which is uh, kind of a boat parade, and people get all dressed up and they kind of ride the rapids and there's also other competitions going on at uh, the Santa Rita Park, which is a lot of fun. And then the River of Lost Souls comes from um, there was uh, Spanish explorers that were traveling down the river, and this is way, way long ago, and um, they lost two men, and their bodies were never found. And so mm-hmm. in their tradition, if a body is not recovered, then they're stuck in purgatory, which is also how... Um, the ski resort got its name ah. off of that. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us how good Durango skiing is. It's great. I think what's special about um, Durango and its ski resort is purgatory, like I said, is only a 20-minute drive away. Um, it's great conditions, um, and it's, you know, you don't have those crowds. You don't have to do as much planning, say, if you were going to a bigger resort like a Breckenridge or Vale but still get all that, you know, amazing powder. And um, located right down from Purgatory Resort is uh, the Nugget Bar, which Mm is um, recently listed by Outside Magazine as one of the uh, best mountain bars. It's this really cool cabin that was transformed um, into this, uh, you know, bar with fire pits and Adirondacks chairs and, you know, live bluegrass music. So it's a fun little local spot after hitting the slopes to go down and, sit around the fire and relax. Oh, and we hear Durango eating is pretty good, too. Do you really have more restaurants per capita than San Francisco? Yes, that's what um, what I'm told, that we have um, over 140 restaurants, which for our population is quite a bit. Um, so that's kind of where we get the – we win the per capita. Um, and then also what's really special about Durango dining is it's – surrounded because we're in this valley it's surrounded by um, these beautiful mountain uh, farms like James Ranch which they have like amazing grass-fed beef and produce and it's just all so close that the restaurants can uh, um, source from 
all the local farms. Really special. We're talking with Rachel Welsh about Durango, Colorado. Rachel, there must be a ton of museums or historical places to see in Durango, but we're especially interested in the Powerhouse Science Museum and the restored Durango Powerhouse. Isn't it a steam-powered power plant? I believe that it used to be. I think they completely transformed um, the power plant into uh, this awesome science museum. It's located right on the Animus River Trail, so it's, I mean, it's a really fun place to throw an event as well. And um, they recently, I think, they just did a history of bikes uh, exhibit, which is really cool. And they showed all, you know, how mountain bikes have evolved. And, you know, there's a, a, a really, you know, connected and um, strong culture, mountain biking culture here in Durango. So it was cool to see them highlight uh, that aspect and all the, you know, how far that uh, mountain biking scene has come. If any listeners out there like Louis L'Amour's Sackett series of Western novels, he wrote them in Durango while staying at the Strader. Can you confirm that, Rachel? Yes, he did. And he actually, he uh, always requested to have the room 222, which sits right above the Diamond Bell Saloon, so he could hear the ragtime um, music while he wrote. Hmm. That's great. And no wonder there was a TV show called Room 222. Now again? Yeah. <laughs> and finally, no. Rachel, how do people get to Durango? Is there a nearby airport, or do people come mostly by car? We do have a great airport. Um, Frontier just started doing flights out of uh, the Durango airport, and Frontier, United, and American all fly out of uh, Durango. So um, whether you're connecting from Denver or Phoenix, it's a, you know just kind of a smaller plane that, um, yeah, it's very accessible. And then I'd say the next closest airport um, would be the Albuquerque Airport because we are in the Four Corners region. So you can just, that's just about a three-and-a-half-hour drive from Albuquerque Airport. And you also yeah. have the beautiful um, scenic byway, so you might as well drive and get a beautiful um, drive-in hmm. as well. Now, Rachel, our listeners always like to learn more about our guests. So could you share where you were born, raised, and schooled, and how you got into this job, and how you got involved in Durango? Yeah, so um, I was born in Concord, California, but I didn't live there very long. And then I grew up in Severna Park, Maryland, just right outside of Annapolis. Oh. And then I do, yeah, I, I loved it out there, and um, but I was more of a West Coast gal. So I um, got an outdoorsy, so I got a, I went to college at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, which is a beautiful place and close to Durango, which introduced me to it. And then after uh, five years of working in public relations in San Diego, I decided I was ready for a new adventure, and I moved out here about four months ago, and I absolutely love it. We've got to ask you about the restaurants, because I know that for people like me who like things like buffalo, they must have great food in Durango. Can you talk about the restaurants a little bit? Yeah, so we have um, one of my favorite restaurants is um, El Moro, which also has some history. What's cool about downtown Durango is the bars tend to have this Wild West history just because of the location of the buildings and them being older buildings. And um, it's 
home to an iconic, like, historic gunfight where I believe um, the sheriff showed up to kind of accost some outlaws, and then the marshal came, and somehow the sheriff ended up shooting the marshal in the back. <gasps> and yeah, so the marshal died. And they say that he haunts the place to this day, and they have this light bulb that's in the back um, near the kitchen that they say they screwed in, they didn't do anything to it, and it flickers. No, not, None of the other lights flicker, and it, like, changes frequency. So they believe that's the um, marshal's heartbeat, and they always have a shot of whiskey for him at the top of the bar every night. And the food is also phenomenal. I mean, it's a great gastropub, amazing craft cocktails and it's like it has a cool spooky history too which I love and I think kind of similar to the Diamond Bell Saloon where you kind of go places and have a great you know old fashioned but also you know have a little bit of history in there too Is there anything we haven't asked you would like to add? Um, I would say that you know I, I'd say Durango is a great place to you know come and experience Outdoor Rec, if you are a mountain biker, if, you are, um, if you're a hiker, if you love to camp, backpack, there's backpacking routes that you can only get to via train in the Chicago Basin, which is a really special place. And it's, it's just one of those places that just has it all. And if you're just looking for a quintessential, get all those Colorado experiences, Durango is the place. We have the food, we have the mountains, we have the river, we have the trails. It's it's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. And we have to Well, thanks to Rachel Wells of Durango, Colorado, for being our guest on Travel Witch Radio. Really enjoyed having you, and I'll see you in Las Vegas. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And with baseball season almost to the postseason, why not learn about the game's history from an educational but entertaining source? It's my book, The New Baseball Bible, Notes, Nuggets, Lists, and Legends from Our National Pastime. 480 pages for a less than a saw buck. It's both a coffee table book and a bathroom book. Read it backwards and still enjoy it. That's The New Baseball Bible with Mike Trout on the cover. Get it tonight from Amazon.com. And Mary Ellen, uh, thank you very much. And next week, you'll be hosting a very special show. Uh, actually, it's going to be a repeat of our May 6th show. Do you want to tell our listeners what it's going to be about? Oh, it's going to be super. It's all about my fabulous co-host, Dan Schlossberg, and he'll be talking about his two-year career in journalism, and he'll answer all the things that we never get a chance to talk about on the show each week. And I really appreciate Mary Ellen suggesting that show way back in April. We planned it for my birthday because May 6th, my birthday, fell on a Thursday. And we're going to repeat it next week because I am not going to be available in this time slot to do a live show. So we're repeating the May 6th show, and I hope all of you listeners enjoy it. Thursday, September 23rd, 8 o'clock Eastern, be there or be square. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg, along with my beautiful and talented co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.